1: From baseball's top personalities The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters Bob Casas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five time Major League Baseball home run champ Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear We just think about out to lunch and run with our shirts off <laughs> you This is A's Unfiltered
0: with Chris Townsend
1: Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. And these are interviews that we have done on A's Cast Live. Guy having the best year for the A's on the Bump, Paul Blackburn's going to join us. Jonah Bride, who's been a great story, and also a great story, Jared Koenig. But let's start with the guy who probably is going to be in the All-Star Game for the Athletics here, Polly Winday. Paul Blackburn. Well, we have a new nickname for him. I don't think we've told... I don't think we've told Mister Blackburn about his new nickname, have we? I don't think we've seen him since. since I mean, that. I might. You can have it. You can sell T-shirts, but when you pitch, we call it Polly Winday.
2: <laughs> that's. I mean, I have not heard that. No, but yeah. I, I I like it. I, I, mean, I mean, that's he, a, that's the goal every day. So that's so why my not? gift to you, <laughs> Polly Winday. <laughs> thank you. Thank you can
1: you. ride that to a bobblehead, to T-shirts, whatever you want to do. It is great to have you on the program. Another fantastic outing yesterday, and uh, you look great on the mound. Just talk about the confidence you have because we can see it.
2: Yeah, um, it's. I mean, it's a lot easier to gain confidence when things are going your way. and You're pitching well, um, but it's just. I just feel like no matter who's in the box, I'm going to get you out. Like that's that's kind of where I am right now, just like mentally, like. I believe my stuff. I believe every single pitch I throw. I'm 100% uh, behind every pitch I throw, uh, mentally, and and yeah, it's just, just kind of it's been working out that way. Isn't it an amazing conviction? It's like it's like you can have the greatest stuff
1: in the world, but if you don't believe in it, especially yeah. in pressure situations, it doesn't matter. And you may not have the best stuff in the world, but if you believe in it, yeah. it, it works.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it does, and it's funny, like. You know, I feel like a lot of times you hear, when people have big accomplishments, you hear them like, oh, like, it's all about belief. Like, if you believe, you yeah. believe. And, like, you hear that and you're like, okay, but a little more goes into it. But, like, as soon as you do start kind of believing, it makes everything else in your body believe too. And, like, to me that's just kind of where I've, where I've been this year. Like, I just, I just feel like anytime, any time, any pitch I throw, I'd, you're not going to hit it. Okay, let, let, before we get into the mental side, let's go physical side. Take us through
1: difference in whether we've heard a lot of different things. You know, when you have a good season, a lot of people start talking about a lot of different things. So, how much did you change grip, curveball, slider, cutter? Just physically, what what are changes or maybe tweaks that you've done?
2: Yeah. So one of the one of the big the biggest tweak I think this year for me that's helped me, uh, Sam, one of our uh, analytical people, she. On my fore seam in spring and on, honestly through my whole career, um, I guess my wrist my wrist wasn't neutral. I was essentially, my wrist was pointed up and I was cutting my fore seam a lot. I wasn't staying behind it. And, you know, we talked in spring training and she told me to, you know, I, my she, she, she told me my wrist is pointed up. You need to have it more neutral to stay behind the ball, create better life. And so I worked on that. This was towards the end of spring training, worked on that uh, the last couple days about, uh, keep my wrist neutral, and it's helped my four seam a lot this year. I've never thrown as many four seams as I had this year. And did you
1: feel it like when she told you that? Did, did you have that feeling? You go, ah, okay.
2: Yeah. So yeah, like so. Essentially, we're throwing bullpens. You know, they have an iPad, and they have, you know, your your horizontal break, your vertical break, all this stuff. They have like your wrist position. And I was looking at it, and there was like four or five pitches where my wrist position was straight out for uh, straight out um, twelve. And everything else was in between, like, one and a half and two. And so I was like, those those are my four seams? And she was like, yes, like, that's why you're cutting them. And I thought I was under the ball. So I'm trying to, in my head, I was trying to correct correct something, but I was going the opposite way. So essentially I was hurting myself going this way instead of allowing myself to be more neutral with it and more loose.
1: It makes sense. It's like even though your feels – and the reality of what's going on don't always work together. Yeah. It's it's when they both come together, when you're feeling it, you know what's going on in the science and the feelings together, but sometimes you're feeling it, and the science are two opposite yes. things. Talk about the breaking balls.
2: Um, honestly, I haven't really changed much on my curveball. If anything, I've, I've probably gripped it a little harder um, this year. Um, you know, I, I have been working with, like, a slider. It's a big, sweepy slider. It's kind of like my curveball. I throw it maybe four or five times an outing. Um, just to give hitters a different look. Um, that way, like, they, they, have to be, they have to be conscious of my curveball that's more, like, top to bottom, my slider that is, like, more sweepy. So it's just more of, like, a different look for them. Um, but as far as, like, grip goes, all my grips really the same. Like, a lot of it's just been mentality for me uh, with my curveball. And now, obviously, like I said, seeing results with it, like, gives you a little more confidence with it, gives you uh, just a little more conviction behind it. But a lot of the stuff that I've done has been more mentality-wise. One of my favorite things, we're going to
1: start dealing with the StatCast, cutter versus just it's a natural
2: cut. What is it for you? Um, mine's a cutter. Okay. Mine's a cutter. It's probably more slider-ish um, if, you, if you talk to the analytical department. Um, See, this is what I love is because Statcast
1: is going to say he throws cutter this many times, slider, bit, and they come, and then you talk to someone, and they go, "Well, I really don't throw that." I yeah. you know. What Mine's I
2: mean? like, yeah, mine. So mine essentially is a cutter and a slider. If I go up with it, when I go up and into lefties, you're going to get more of a horizontal. I'm not going to get Which like, the, the vertical depth. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be the cutter. Now, when I go down the way to righties with it, it's going to have a little bit of slide to it, and so. That's that's just how it that's just how it comes out. Like I'm I'm thinking fastball the whole time, but once I start thinking like oh I want it to cut when I'm going down to a righty, that's when I get messed up. And like you know whether it's a cutter, whether it's a slider, I mean whatever they want to call it, they can call it. But in my head, I call it a cutter because that help that's what helps me think fastball with it. And then the action on it is the action. So.
1: I don't want you to come out of games, and you don't need to say anything. Don't want to get you in trouble. But there's, like, when Kotze comes out to get you, I go, no, leave him in. Let him keep going. I know you want to go deep into games. But how do you prepare to get through a lineup once, twice, a third time, and to always keep them on their toes? Yeah, so
2: we'll use yesterday, for instance. Like, I faced Boston two weeks ago. And my game plan going into Boston, from the results base, like, they were on a lot of my stuff. And, like, granted, like, I didn't, have, I didn't have my best cutter that day, and that's one thing that I knew going into that start yesterday. And that's a weapon that I kind of had in my back pocket where they haven't seen my best cutter that I had. And yesterday I had a pretty good one. And just being able to kind of take a step back and reevaluate the game from a clear mindset where it's like, okay, like, what did I do that, that gave me success during this game with Boston here? What did I do? Well, okay, like, this is what I did. What did they do well against me? And now you start, it's, it's kind of like a, a pros and cons list, right? Okay, this is what worked for me. This is what, what they were on. So now how can we incorporate what worked for me into a new game plan while still being able to use certain pitches that didn't work well for me, if that makes sense, where it's like maybe it's a yeah. sequencing thing. Maybe it's like, you know, maybe we're getting too predictable out there. Like, just being able to kind of break down like that and look at an outing instead of it being, like, oh, a bad outing or a good outing. Like, being able to honestly, like, sit down and think about your outing and realize that, you know, every outing you're going to have good pitches, every outing you have bad pitches. Like, whether those bad pitches beat you, who knows, you know? But well, good pitches can beat you sometimes. And, but for me, it's, it's just being able to see what worked against the team and what didn't work and why did that not work because it's not like, like, your pitches are good, like, your, your pitches work, you know, but it's like, you know, was, like I said, was I too predictable, did I set it up correctly, or, like, what, did, did I do the same exact sequence to that guy as I did the guy on deck, and the guy on deck beat me, you know, just things like that, where, like, it's so much game inside of a game, and I feel like, in the past, I would get so wrapped up, in like, oh, like, I went out there and gave up five runs, bad outing, you know, and it's, like, yeah, you don't want to sit there and think or dwell on bad outings, but you there are positives in every single outing that you have. Whether it's you go out and get two outs and you give up eight runs, there's still you'll still find a positive in that. You probably don't want to think about it, but there are positives at at every single outing that I feel like gets a some a lot of people get away from when there's bad results there. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, you. Y- y- you got to have positivity because in this game you can find a whole lot of negative and it can drown you, and it's tough to get out of that mindset. And that's where I want to get into the mental side. I think about when we talked to you down at spring training, Ho-Ho Cam, and this was about you making the ball club and excited and you're healthy, you know, healthy, which was great for you, to where we are today where you're going out to win. You're going out to win games against elite teams and elite lineups. Talk about the mentality of where you
2: were in Arizona to where you are now. So coming into, coming into spring training, like, I, I didn't have like didn't have any options left. Like, it was make or break. Like, either I make the team or I'll get DFA'd again, and who knows what happens from there. Um, but I tried not to think of it like that. I tried to think of it as, like, I, you know, this is my 10th spring training, I think. Like, I know what I need to do to get my body ready at this point and I allowed spring training to kind of be that for me I didn't come into spring training adding pressure myself like I need to come and make a team I need to come and make a team I stayed within myself and I trusted that the work that I put in every single day and the mindset that I bring every day will ultimately get me to that goal and then when the season started it was more of like okay like it was like a checklist right okay first box like check made a team out of spring now it's like what, like, essentially, like, what can I do to prove people wrong? You know, like, I feel like, I feel like there's, there's been a lot of times, like, when I've added so much pressure on myself in the on the field that I didn't, that I didn't allow myself to be myself out there. And where, like, I'd have so many different things going on, whether it's, like, stress of, like, not letting run score, whether it's, like, stress of, you know, throwing strike, whatever it may be, like, there, I feel like I added so much pressure unneeded stress to myself in the past and just being able to kind of come in with like I'm gonna prove you wrong mindset and you know what what's like what's the worst that can happen you know like I've I've been DFA'd I've 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 gone through all that like I've I've essentially been fired for say um you know and I I work to get back here so it's like what like what do I have to lose like go out there and be yourself and like at least if you lose like have them beat you don't beat yourself and like don't overthink it and that's just kind of where I've been this year
1: you know, one thing that I'm not good at is just sticking with what I can control. I want to control other things, which – and then it takes me back to Jim Harbaugh. I used to always say, control the controllables. And for a, for a pitcher, and I think of Frankie going tonight, I got these numbers how the team just does not score with him on the mound. And it sucks. How is a pitcher, you're out on the mound, team hasn't scored for you, you give up a run or two and – oh, God, here we go, I, you know, I mean, how do you not get down and not worry about how the offense is performing and just control truly what you can control?
2: Yeah, you know, kind of like what you said, control what you can control. and Easier said than done. It is very it is very easier said than done. And like I said, when things are going good, it's a lot easier to control what you control. When things are going bad, like, you have little things that will frustrate you. Um, but, like, I look as far as, like, runs go, like – it is what it is, right? It's a game of baseball like those guys are good, we're good, like it's it's essentially like who's who's better on that day, essentially. And it's honestly like it's for me like for me to control the controllables for say, it's just a pitch by pitch basis. Like whether, you know, you, as a starting pitcher your job is essentially to keep your team in the game. You know, and like if you go if you go 6 innings, go 7 innings and you come out and it's two nothing, like you essentially did your job right like granted like would you rather come out when your team's ahead of course everyone would (laughs) but i think just being able to realize that like what your job actually is as a starting pitcher you know your job is to push the pace your job is to create soft contact keep keep your defense involved and keep your team in the game you know and like you said the control balls like you're not up there grabbing a bat you know you're not hitting you're not you're not doing that so like that's out of your hands and the more you think about that the more that creeps in into your mind and it'll stress you out where it's like, oh, I got a guy lead off double, can't let him score. You know, you can't you can't you can't be out there in a game and think that because I I'll tell you what, that guy's gonna score. As soon as you start thinking that. As soon as you start thinking, I can't let this guy score, walk, base hit, now you got guys at second and third with no outs. And now it's like, okay. Now you got now you have to try and stop a snowball, which is very hard to do. But yeah, for me, it's for me. Honestly, it's it's a pitch-by-pitch basis, and you know, I have I have faith in our offense, complete faith in our offense. Every time they go out there, you know, we've we've put up crooked numbers this well, this year, and it can happen at any point. So it's just one of those things where, you know, you, you, you kind of stay in your own lane and you, you worry about what you what you can control. All right, two more. I know you got to go, but two
1: more. Um, number one thing for you in between starts that you have
2: to do. Oh man, um, I, I I keep the same routine. I tr- like when things are going well. I keep the same routine. So like today, day after I pitch, I'll I'll run 20 minutes. I'll do a low, lower body lift, do some treatment uh, in the training room. You know, tomorrow will be a side day for me. I honestly probably probably bullpens. Like I'm not. I know like throughout a season, everyone's kind of different, and like some guys will skip a bullpen here and there because it's a long year. But like for me, like just being able to get on the mound and feel. Feel myself coming down the mound, feel my hand out in front, like just seeing how my pitches are reacting, for me that's something that I always have to do in between starts. Like I'm not I'm not gonna I don't uh I'm not i am not going to i do not i am not going to take um you know, a rotation off from getting off the mound. Like to me that's just like that's just prep work for me. So if that may, if that kinda answers answers your question. Any superstitions? Um yeah, I have pizza before the night I pitch. Every time. I mean, that's not a bad one to have. Every time. You're not going to – that's not
1: a bad – some people have some crazy. Pizza's not bad. All yeah, right, let's yeah. end on this because we were just talking to Jonah Bryant, and I said, you know what, you're an inspiration, man. I mean, you're 23rd-round pick, a senior who had to sign, who's just saying, you know what, don't have to go get a job yet. Go play. Next thing you know, he's in the big leagues. But I think about you. You're a Bay Area kid playing on a Bay Area team. There's a lot of young players out there who are looking up to you as an inspiration who can say, hey, listen, if he could do it, I can do it. What does it mean for you as a guy that watched baseball games here as a kid to now playing on, that, playing on this field, knowing that you got all these kids in the East Bay who can look up to you?
2: No, it's an awesome feeling. Um, you know, as, a, as an athlete, I, I feel like sometimes you – you, you don't get as, as wrapped up in it as you kind of should for like younger generations and like kids. And like, you know, I try to sign as many autographs as I can for kids. Cause I remember coming to a park and asking for autographs and no one was signed. So like, I try to take care of the kids out here. I know it's, I know it's very important. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess a message for like younger kids would be honest, always believe in yourself. And like, when times are tough, like you're going to get through it, you know? And like, you know, at a younger at a young age, I would say to play as many sports as you can. And I feel like nowadays, too many too many kids are kind of pinholed into one or two sports. And one sport athletes at, at too young. And I feel like I grown up, I played I played every sport besides football. My dad wouldn't let me play football, <laughs> but I played every sport. And I just feel like it it helps with your body awareness. It helps. It it helps with you know, learning how to work as a team. It helps just, just being able to, to build a group together. Even though, you know, maybe it's six or seven years old, that's not really that kid's goal. But, like, later on in life, you'll realize that, like, those team atmospheres, it's what, it's what helps you get along with people just in life. Like, being able to, to you know, connect with someone or, or whatnot. Like, but, yeah, to me, it's just it's honestly just, just always believe in yourself no matter what you do. Uh, dreams do come true. What do you have to have on that pizza, by the way? Uh, pepperoni and pineapple. All right, all right. We're
1: oh, I was going to ask you, Cody. What 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 are yours? I, I I'm a I'm a I'm an all meat guy. <laughs> I, I go the meat lovers. What do you got to have on your pizza? Uh,
0: sometimes I don't mind pineapple. Uh, buffalo
2: to, chicken's
1: gonna, fine. Buffalo or barbecue chicken. I
0: can't do black olives. Yeah, no, that's a that's an, an people like anchovies. Not not for me. No,
2: no anchovies. I can do olives though. I can do all, not like strict olives. I'll do like a combination. Yeah. I won't go like just regular olives, but I I don't mind olives on the, on the pizza.
0: controversial one is pineapple. Do you like that? Yes or no? Yeah, yeah he said it. Yeah. Said okay. All right. Pepperoni that's all that matters.
2: Pepperoni and pineapple. There you go.
0: Because a lot of people get on me for liking pineapple on my pizza. I so. know,
2: but then people try it and they're like, Yeah, this is actually pretty it's good. Pretty good, yeah. right? Yeah. What do you do on the road? I order it. I, is there a do you do you like search out spots? Uh, so like, no, like so this started at. Honestly, it started in when I was in Myrtle Beach, so 2015. And I had a terrible first half. And one night we were on the road, <clears throat> long bus trip, got in late, and I ordered a Domino's pizza. And I ordered pepperoni and pineapple. And I went out there, and I went, like, seven, innings, gave up, like, a hit or two. <laughs> and I'm like, man, we're rolling the with streak this. is born. And then I did it again, and I had a good, a good outing. Did it again, and it just kind of stuck with me. So, like, it started off as Domino's, and, like, it's kind of – now it's just kind of turned into to whatever I can find on DoorDash or, like – Local pizza spot by the hotel on the road. Like, that's just kind of turned into that. But it's always, it's always Pizza Day before I pitch.
1: You know what it is? It's time for us to get a pizza sponsor for Paulie <laughs> Wendy. That's my new mission. I'll be bringing you some business. <laughs> All right. Hey, I great stuff that. as always. We appreciate hey, thank it. Thank you
2: very much for having me.
1: What a season he has had. And also, how about Jonah Bride? We heard so much that when he comes up, you're going to love him. The more you watch him play, you're going to appreciate his game and that's no question we have seen that. Here is A's third baseman, second baseman, Jonah Bride. Jonah Bride is with us here on A's Cast Live. I'm Chris Townsend. Jonah Bride, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, Talking about the Warriors having a hell of a ride in Boston, how about yourself making your debut, saw the family there and friends? What was
3: that like? Yeah, it was definitely a really special moment for me, Uh, something I've always dreamed about, and uh, to do it in Fenway, it makes it even more special, and to have my – family and my best friends there it was it was awesome.
1: So when you roll out there and you're in the lineup just put the mic a little bit closer. Okay. So when you roll out there and you're just just tell us what the feeling was like that man I'm it not only it's a historic Fenway Park but your dreams you've had this dream since you were a kid and you're playing in the big leagues what was going through your mind?
3: You know there was definitely nerves uh going into it on that flight uh after I got the call but when we went out for BP and stuff, I think everything kind of slowed down for me a little bit, and uh, I got a great group of guys around me that uh, were definitely giving me lots of confidence and telling me it's just baseball. I mean, it, it's hard, it's hard to just say that, but uh, <laughs> but definitely throughout the game, just just helped me calm my nerves. I had a great, great time.
1: Hey, you've been around it. You're, it's not a shocker. Yeah. I mean, you're you're a 23rd round pick. 23rd round picks normally don't get that. Yeah. And and I bet when you signed, you did you didn't think you were like, hey. I'm done with school. I want to keep playing, see how long. I mean, pretty special your journey. Just talk about
3: what you thought when you signed and then to where you are today talking to me on a big league field. You know, I mean, when I got signed, it was a senior sign. Um, yeah, I mean, I wanted opportunity at that point. But growing up and stuff, just just always feeling like I was overlooked, someone telling you you can't do something, um, just makes it that more special. Just, just getting that uh, – opportunity and um, just everywhere I go I want to continue to prove people wrong and so it's special to be here in Oakland and uh, I want to do anything I can to help this team win. You know we
1: joke all the time I don't like it how we have so many different guys down in the bullpen we have way too many pitchers but what that means is less guys on the bench you took it upon yourself to learn how to catch now you're showing versatility you can play all over the diamond that helps you and helps you get to the big leagues Talk about making that change, knowing that the more gloves you have in your bag, the better chance you got.
3: Yeah, I mean, I was approached last year about it by my manager, Bobby Crosby, um, that the idea had been thrown around a little bit. And so, I mean, I, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely willing to go to Instructional League and went to Instructional League and, and then got the opportunity to play in the Fall League as well and, and catch a bunch of great guys um, getting to see the different stuff. I mean, it, it continues to get better and better. So, um, Maybe, maybe not be catching out here yet, but whenever I can, get the opportunity to go down to the bullpen um, and continue to catch these guys and, and try to uh, better my skills back there and, and get more comfortable.
1: How much catching you, had you done before that?
3: Yeah, I've, I've never been a catcher. Um, I think when I was 8 or 9 years old, there was one guy that was throwing hard, so I would just go back there and catch him. Um, but, but that was more of just like wreck ball and um, – Everyone just out there having a good time. Dude, that's so, crazy that yeah. in,
1: in Pro Bowl, I'm going to learn how to catch. In
3: Pro Bowl, yeah, so, that just doesn't yeah. happen. A bunch of great um, people around the A's organization um, putting that hope in me and and just putting that trust, and um, they've stuck with me. And the same way as like, teammates, they're all very supportive of me. Uh, they don't expect me to be perfect. It's, it's definitely going to be taking time, um, but got to continue to put in the work, and uh, I'm willing to do that.
1: So – how does it
3: help you, I don't know, as a, a
1: hitter, defensively? Because when you're a catcher, you're the only one looking out at everybody, and everybody's looking at you. It's a completely mm-hmm. different perspective of the game. Has it helped you as a defender? Has it helped you offensively? What has catching, learning catching done for you?
3: I would say uh, in the box, you're definitely thinking more about what the, what the catcher might want to call here. Um, not that you're always going to be right. Uh, but it, it definitely helps you just get a good perspective of the game. You're locked in on every pitch, um, so I enjoy that. I mean, it's it's when you're catching, it's more. When I get to the dugout, I'm not really thinking about my as bat or my next at bat as much as I am just going back out there for the next inning and trying to catch a good game and, and build a relationship with those pitchers. So yeah, it's it's completely different, um, but it's something that I've enjoyed.
1: Okay, so Ed Sprague had this unbelievable quote about you that they aired in the, uh, or they put on the athletic. And I'm not sure if you saw it, but he says that you have the ability to use the entire bat. And it's this long quote where he's talking about how you can hit it off the hands. It can be a squibber. It can be in the gap. It can be a home run. I've never heard anybody where they said, he can use the entire bat. What,
3: what, what does that mean for you? Yeah, I hadn't seen that, actually. Um, I mean, I, I just try to pride myself on going up there and taking a good at bat. Um, that's going to be quality for the team, um, whether that's move someone over, um, drive them in, hit a gap. I mean, and, and I really try not to strike out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I might not always be right on the barrel, but I've just tended to uh, be able to find holes, and uh, I hope I can continue to do that as well.
1: Well, and, and just watching you hit, you know, being able to make contact is a big deal these days. It's hard to believe we're even talking about that. But, yeah. you know, make so for you being a contact guy, how, a, how has the adjustment to velocity when we struggle to make contact, that's something that's been a strength of your
3: game? Um, you know, I, I think it's just crazy how the game's evolved, even since I've came into pro ball. Um, these guys nowadays are all throwing 95, 98, and they're throwing their slider more than they're throwing their fastball. And so that makes it much more difficult. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when, when you get a fastball, I mean, that's definitely the one that I want to try to get out there and, and, and get a hold of.
1: Were you seeing that Cause in college? Because we're now watching the College World Series. We're seeing so many guys throwing 97, 98. Yeah. Was
3: that happening when you are in college? I mean, you wouldn't see too much 97, 98, to be honest. And that was only – I graduated in 2018. I mean, you would there would be a couple teams or a couple guys on a team that would maybe run it up there. But majority of the guys probably 92, 95 tops um with good stuff but but it's definitely just crazy how to see how far this game has come
1: yeah that this is something as people are watching on youtube and twitter that's just crazy is that yes you've got guys throwing close to triple digits but yet still throw whether it's cutter, slider mm-hmm. more
3: than they do fastball as a hitter or a catcher is that crazy to you yeah i mean there's definitely times where um some, someone's going to be definitely like nasty and, and you're going to have to look for one pitch and uh i mean there's definitely be times where you have to tip your cap i mean these these guys have the best stuff in the world and uh they're here for a reason and so it's a grind every single bat and uh you got to take pride in it and yeah continue to do that now you wore one off the chest and it broke the chain how's the chain uh the chain is actually broke yeah so i'm gonna have to get, i'm gonna have to go get a new one yeah, because it was yeah. hit pretty hard, and you
1: you wore it. It was great, yeah. but then all of a sudden when you saw the chain, I'm like, wow, it was hit so hard it broke
3: the chain. Yeah, I actually didn't notice that at the time, and then I was just walking back over to the third base and looked down, and I just see it hanging down, and, uh, yeah, see his chain. Yeah, we had Mark Kotze
1: on earlier today, and he talked about that tough throw you had at Fenway Park, but he said... You know, when he came out to talk to the pitcher, he said to you, "Hey, next one's coming to you." What did that mean to you to have your skip, to have the skipper have mm-hmm. your back?
3: Yeah, I've, I've talked about it a lot with uh, guys around the clubhouse, and then even family friends when they when we talk about it. Uh, just to have that uh, hope and give a guy confidence. Uh, obviously, that was tough for me to make that bad throw, and um, the game going the way it was. I mean, I, that's all that was on my mind. Like I didn't want to be the reason that we lost that game, and so um, winning that game was huge. And uh, the confidence that they gave me, they were all hitting me, saying you're good. Um, Yeah, so getting that win, being able to talk about it after, that was my first moment where I was like, oh, goodness. Uh, Just got to slow it down and uh, just play the game that you've always played. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting back out there tonight.
1: How nice is it going to be to be in Oakland, settle into a clubhouse, be able to relax a little bit, And not have all the hoopla of the whole family and the debut and everything.
3: Yeah, uh, I think it'll be cool. I mean, I know everyone's going to be watching, um, but, I mean, it's always been that way. I've got a great group around me of uh, family and friends. People are always there for me. So, yeah, it's going to be great to uh, play here at this stadium and in front of the fans and get settled in, like you said.
1: And let's end on this. You know, there's a lot of us out there, guys who played college, played high school, who had the dream mm-hmm. and just knew ah, it's not gonna happen. What do you say to these kids as a twenty third round pick, a senior you sign, what do you tell these guys about never giving up and never losing that dream until they rip the uniform off you?
3: Yeah, I mean that's that's everything right there, like you said. I mean, it's I, I told you growing up that I was always I was never big enough, I was never fast enough, never strong enough. Um, and so just to have that hope in myself and the Family, uh, the great coaches, teammates I've had that have always believed in me um, and putting that trust in yourself. I mean, anyone anyone can do it and you can never give up and uh, no one can take that away from you and um, just continue to work your butts off, do whatever you can to continue to go through the ladder and it's not going to be easy, that's for sure.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, you're a true inspiration, and we're going to be rooting like hell for you because it's a great story. That means and congratulations a lot. getting here. It's awesome. We're going to cover, uh, cover every minute, minute of it and really enjoy it. So Absolutely. it was nice to meet Thanks you. So we'll much. have you on again. Absolutely. we got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. From one great story to another, Jared Koenig has had a long road to the big leagues, but to finally get here and to get that win on his first start in Oakland on Father's Day was so special. Here is the A's left-hander. Jared Koenig now joins us, and I think this is going to be an interesting interview for me because I've actually... Known you, uh, look how tall you are now. You were like a little (laughs) kid the last time I think we talked. Yeah. As I've known your dad for for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And I remember him talking about you're going to have a chance to play college baseball uh, as you grew up there over the hill over 17. And you're like, okay, he's going to be a big-time prospect. And hearing about your journey and the fact that you're here now, it's truly um, an amazing story. I'm so happy for you, happy for your family. I think Father's Day was so incredible. Just what has this run been like for you and the family?
4: Uh, I mean, yeah, it's been, it's been incredible to say the least. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of perseverance went into this and to, to continue the dream and, and support from the family and, and mom and dad especially. And it's yeah, yeah it's been awesome.
1: And to get your first career win here in the Bay Area and your dad, Father's Day in the stands, Greg, just what was that like?
4: That was awesome. It was a special moment to be able to do that and, uh, I mean, have him here is even better uh, for my third start and just to to be able to pitch well, pitch somewhat more like, I, like I'm used to for myself and to go out and give the team a chance and then to be lucky to get a win and then to do it on Father's Day, just even better.
1: You know, your first two starts, let's be honest, two of the hottest teams, I've been going through my notes, two of the hottest teams in baseball continue to be the Atlanta Braves and the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. On the road, packed houses. I mean, that's adversity right there with obviously a team like the A's that's struggling. What were those two experiences like for you?
4: I think they were great. Um, Just – the experience was awesome. It's great to, to learn. Yeah, I'm getting thrown into the fire and having to deal with it. I thought I competed really well in both both aspects of the games. I didn't quite throw as well as as well as well I would have liked, but I think I competed. I think I showed a little more gumption and the, just the tenacity to want to, to wanna compete and be out there. And, yeah. Whether it's Kotze or it's Emerson, you know, because at any point you can
1: come up, you can have that start, you don't throw – exactly the way you want it, boom, you can get sent back down immediately, right? You got a ton of options. So, what did they say to you after both those starts that you knew you were gonna get the ball again and then again?
4: I I think after the first one, I think on the news, he had just said that I was gonna get another start and then the next day he came up to me and he just talked to me and asked me like kind of what I thought, what I'm learning about and and then he said, well, just make sure you're ready, continue to start and get ready for uh, Boston. And then after the next one, I think I think they – I'm not sure how that one came about, but I, I, I think the next day, same thing, just get ready for Kansas City. That's usually what he – he comes up to me during BP or four warm-ups and says, hey, keep going. You're, you're throwing great. Keep grinding out there, and and we know, we know you can do this.
1: Now take us through the journey where whether you're pitching overseas, you're pitching an independent ball – at the, at that point, do you ever really still have the dream that you're going to pitch in Major League Baseball? Or did you always believe you could be that guy?
4: I always believed I could be that guy. Um, reality would tend to, to set in a little more um, with just me getting older. Um, mainly, yeah, mainly the factor was just getting older and like, all right, my time's running out in a sense. Um and then it's like, I gotta, I gotta start making an actual living to where I can not have to live at home and be able to live on and be able to do things on my own. And I got some other things I'd like to do, expensive hobbies, hunting and shooting. So it was like, there's other things I'd like to support for myself that I, I would want to continue to do that. But fortunate, stuck with it and I got this opportunity and I'm grateful for it.
1: I try and tell people all the time, you know, when you're not a bonus baby and as you get older, there are some tough, tough conversations, whether you got a wife, parents or whoever saying, you know, what, maybe this path isn't for you. You gave it a good shot. We love you. Now it's time to get a job. Go get a career. And you want to always have the mentality. You want to wait to have the uniform ripped off you. Right. To yes. your force in. Yeah. And that's why I'm so proud of you is that you, you could have left easily. Yeah. And no one would have said a thing. No. I think you I think Jonah Bride, I think Christian Bethencourt, I think guys like you are an inspiration to young players to let them know you got the rest of your life to work yeah, yeah trust me you got the rest of your life kids to work I think what you've done is an inspiration what does that mean to you if I say that
4: uh, that means a lot um, I, I think that's kind of my, my goal is just to be to be an influence a good influence for someone to to continue to learn continue to grind. Um, to, to believe in yourself and to, to go after what you really want and kind of never stop going after what you love. And that's kind of, it's kind of what I've done. I've, I've been fortunate to be at least supported by my family with a roof. And then I can work and cover the rest myself for the most part and go from there.
1: You know, talking about the difference, everybody says, well, what is it like? You know, it's, it's the big league level. And it's like, well, sometimes when you're pitching down in Vegas, <laughs> And you're pitching in – he's got a big smile. He knows what I'm talking about. You're pitching in dry weather. You're pitching in the desert. You're pitching in elevation. All these places are horrific to pitch in, and these places are band boxes. The balls are flying out. Coming to pitch on a cold night in Oakland a whole different ballgame, but yet you're facing a di- different le- level hitter. What has the transition just been like for you from AAA to the big leagues? Because both leagues, where you play, atmosphere, ballparks, everything's so different.
4: I think the the biggest thing's just adjusting. The first thing was being in Atlanta, 42,000 fans, and kind of adjusting to that kind of noise and and everything around that. The at, the next aspect is paying attention to the hitters, which I was so nervous I could barely think. Uh, <laughs> and and being able to watch the hitters, let alone shake off Murphy if I wanted to shake. You know, not that he was calling a bad game, I just wasn't like I wasn't in the right mind to where I could think about it like I had so much else going on it felt like pressure and then realizing that the hitters don't swing and miss as much and then they recognize just a touch sooner the pitches and they're able to hold up a little sooner versus getting like that kind of half swing that's that goes through so that's been kind of the, the learning aspect with all of that
1: yeah I've noticed you struck out a lot more batters down there than you have here that's definitely been a difference
4: yeah that's been a difference and I think that tends to happen whenever I start. I just have to learn and figure out how to get the guys out again with strikeout pitches, um, but it's just it's a constant learning game and adjusting and building off of each each past experience.
1: Yeah, I love how when people make their de- debuts, everybody's like, you know, just do what you do, breathe, relax, and you're eating your hearts about to pop out of your chest. I yeah. mean. When you're up there in Atlanta, I mean, obviously, they're the defending world champions. You know all the names of their players. Take us through making that debut, and, like, you probably can't catch your breath. You got dry mouth. It's humid.
4: Yeah, the the humidity was a big factor. I mean, I haven't thrown in much humidity other than last year in the Texas League and a little bit in independent ball in different areas. But it was extremely humid, and it was one of the muggier days that I think they've had to start the year the baseball season, and, I mean, it's a great lineup, and trying to breathe was a task in itself, just trying to breathe.
1: And now where we are, you got your first victory. You now got a few starts. You're kind of, you know, you I wouldn't say you're totally used to it, but you're getting used to it. Just what does it mean to you that you could be doing this for – we'll just say whether you're with the Giants here, but any of the 28 other teams, you don't care, right? You're the big leagues. But to do it basically – at home not a lot of guys ever get to play at home no. what's that like
4: um it's it's something special I've, i mean i grew up coming to here coming to these games and i mean going to giants games obviously too but here is a, a little cheaper a little easier to get to sometimes and uh, you can get honestly better seats just because there's a few less fans here um but being being here is awesome like that's i mean the, the fans have always been supportive and then being able to come here and then play. And I, I mean, I can tell you where I've sat in the stadium at some point And yeah. <laughs> I can look at those seats and I'm like, that's I, I used to be out there. And now I'm out here. And yeah. it's something special. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here and can't can't thank the organization enough for giving me the opportunity.
1: Yeah, I think over in Aptos and in the Santa Cruz area, you've been on the local news and a lot. It's, yeah. it's been big news that he's made the big leagues. <laughs> yeah. uh, what has that been like for, you know, we know the family and we've seen family. I've been texting with your dad and, uh, you know, obviously seeing your family in the stands and the games, but just friends you grew up with, everybody, what, what what's that been like for you?
4: Yeah, it's been hectic. There's, I mean, after I, I pitch every time now, I've, it seems like I'm on my phone for the rest of the day or into the next day. And just it's like I'm trying to answer everyone to, to not be disrespectful, but I think sooner or later I'm just going to have to <laughs> – just like let it go because it's it's a lot to, to take in and kinda keeps me up trying to, to feel to trying to feel good about because I'm getting back to them other than than feeling bad and just leaving it on red. But it, it, it gets a lot to manage. Um, but my friends have been awesome and they've been supportive and reached out and all of them. I got to see a couple of them yesterday on the off day, which was nice.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Finally be here, have an off day, relax yeah. a little bit. Um Going now as, you, as you're going to head in your fourth, fifth, and sixth starts, what's the key in between starts for you to keep the mind and the body right?
4: I think just to keep doing what I've been doing and keep building off of each each start, like I said. And with that, not trying to overload myself with information and kind of just keep everything as simple as possible, but detailed at the same time.
1: How much video do you watch?
4: Um. Probably, I'd say probably a couple hours worth in general over spurts. Nothing, I mean, my attention span to to pay attention to stuff like that for multiple, multiple, I mean, for 20 to 30 minutes at a time is tough. So it's like 10, 15-minute spurts, and probably over five days I'll look at the video and some hitters and kind of build off of that, look at swing and miss, look at contact, and really that's, yeah, that's about it.
1: Well, you're in the big leagues, man. Yeah. You're living you're yeah, like when you tell people you're living a dream, you are living a dream.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm in the big leagues. I I mean, can't complain about that one bit and no one can really ever take that away from me. I've been a big leaguer now, so.
1: Well, ever since you got to AAA, we're like, man, if he ever makes it up, this will be great cuz <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I haven't met you when you were a little kid and, and following your story and like I said, your story is very inspirational and every start, every win it gets better and your story gets better and a lot of people will look up to you and uh yeah i mean no pressure that way but just that just it it just shows you what you've done can show people there is a path it just can't not everybody has to be a first round draft pick not everybody has to be a bonus baby it's believe in your dreams
4: Mm -hmm. and your
1: dreams can come true
4: exactly yeah believe it believe it believe in yourself trust yourself and continue to go after what you want.
1: Well, it's an honor to have you on the yeah. program. Good luck thank to you. you. Thank we you. got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. We'd like to thank Paul Blackbird, Jonah Bride, and Jared Koenig for joining us on A's Cast Live. We hope you enjoyed A's Unfiltered. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio.
0: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.
5: Okay.